Good morning. Welcome to Stuttgart Harvest Church. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. We're in week number two, though, first of all, week number two of this series called Elijah. A little bit about me. I uh, have this desire. I think God has placed inside of all, all of our lives certain desires. Some of them we share. Some of them may be unique to you. But God has placed some desires, some, some needs, some wants in there. And um, for me, one of those is security. Maybe you have that same desire. I'm not sure. I desire to have security in my life. I desire to have security in my family. I desire to have security in my future. And because of that then, because I desire security, and there's nothing wrong with that desire. I believe God has placed that desire in my life. And so there's nothing wrong with that. Because I have that desire, then I have been on a lifelong journey to find a way to meet that desire and to have that desire fulfilled in my life. And so I, it led me to, to discover this, that if I work really, really hard, and maybe if I work longer than other people, if I work harder than other people, if I work smarter than other people, then perhaps then I will have that security that I want, that I want for my family, that I want for me, that I want for my future. If I do that, that could happen. I have another desire in my life. I have many, but I'm just going to share with you two. I have another desire. It's, it's a desire of significance, uh, of, of being a part of something significant. And there's nothing wrong with that because I believe God has placed that desire in my life. And that has led me on a journey during my life so far to try to be involved in something significant and to find something that makes me feel significant. For me, that has been my career. And so I've poured myself into my career and because it's a significant, worthy thing. And so to be a part of that then makes me significant, feel significant. And so I've poured my life into that, poured my life into that. So you add being a workaholic, trying to get security in my life, and you add to that then my career that I have been a workaholic in, trying to get significance, then you have my life, which is the perfect storm for me. But in your life, you have a perfect storm as well. You know what the end result of my perfect storm, my life is? That those things that I have been pursuing in my life, working, working really hard, becoming a workaholic, um, being involved in church to the point of to, to, to feel significant, you know, those things, then I, even though those are good things, there's nothing wrong with work, there's nothing wrong with uh, my career, good things, those are good things, but they have become my focus to the point that I've shut everything else out. At different times in my life, I have just simply shut everything else out in my life except work and my career. And so in essence, you could really say those things have become my God. Those, those things have become my gods. I, that's what I've served and given myself to and allowed them to lead me, control me, to rule me. I've surrendered to those things. At different times in my life, that's what I've done. There's probably something for you as well. You may share some of those things. You may have something completely unique to you. But I do believe that God places needs and desires inside our lives. Some of those we share, some are unique to you. And then we go on a lifelong personal journey to find ways to meet those needs. 
we do it all kinds of ways. Maybe for you, it's uh, maybe you have a specific need in your life to, to be wanted and to be loved, and it has caused you to go and search that out in a relationship. And maybe the relationships, uh, the, the want and the desire has stayed the same, but maybe the people meeting those needs has changed over time. But maybe that recurs in your life and constantly there is someone you're looking for to meet that need in your life. There could be other needs. Maybe you have a need for peace and quiet and you have looked to a substance to do that for you. Maybe alcohol. Maybe you, you abuse alcohol and you take it to the point where you have to get drunk or tipsy every night. Or when you do start drinking, maybe it's not every day, but when you do start drinking, maybe you just can't stop. Maybe you have been looking to another substance, maybe a prescription drug. There's nothing wrong with prescription medication when you take it as prescribed but maybe you have more than one prescription for the same thing. Or maybe you have a prescription and then you go buy some freelance pills off on the side and you're not taking it as prescribed, but your search is for peace and contentment and quiet and calm. Or maybe it's a search for energy and productivity. I don't know, but you maybe have are taking something into your life, not using it as prescribed by a doctor. You have self-medicated and you are trying to meet a need with that substance and maybe you can't function without it we can do the same thing with money and we can do the same thing with recognition we can do the same thing with sex we can do the same thing even with our children maybe you have a need to be wanted and you are expecting your children to fill that need and you have a desire to be liked and loved by your child and in fact maybe it's to the point that your child becomes your sole focus to make them happy so that they will love you and accept you. And when we do that, then the roles reverse and the child begins leading you as the parent instead of you leading your child. We can do it with so many different things in our lives. But the point is we have God-given needs and then we look to other people or things to help us meet those needs. We're going to be looking in this one snapshot of Elijah. Let me tell you what's happened before this. Last week we said that God told Elijah to go take a message to the king. That's what, that's what prophets did. God would give them a message and they would go take it. And so in this case, he said, go tell, Eli go tell the king that it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. You've been serving all these other gods. And you served one God here that you say controls the rain. Well, why don't you go tell them that I'm going to stop the rain and let's see if their God can turn it back on. And that's what, that's what he did. He went and told them that. And then God took Elijah and hid him away because the king wanted to kill him. He hid him away. And now God says to Elijah, okay, now it's time for you to go have another conversation with the king. And this is now three years later. And it happened just as God said. There was no rain for three years, a famine, a drought for three years. And here comes Elijah now to talk to the king again. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, here's how it goes down. When Ahab, the king, saw him, he exclaimed, saw Elijah, he said, So is it really you, oh, you troublemaker of Israel, because three years, no rain. 
God said, listen, I'm going to shut it off. And, and instead of them running to God and saying, listen, you were right. We've been serving the wrong gods. No, they just kept serving those other gods who could do nothing and were powerless to actually do what they wanted done. But they continued to serve them anyway. Verse 18, Elijah says, well, I'm, I've made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You... King Ahab, you, you and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of God, the Lord, and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. They have, they said to themselves, well, you know, okay, rain, and we, we need rain, so let's create a God, that, this God is going to be the God of rain, so when we do things right and, and we worship this God, then he's going to make sure it rains. So they took something that was in God's hands and they expected someone else or something else to take care of that, which is the very same thing we do today with the needs and the desires that we have in our life. And we look for something else or someone else to do what only God can do. Very same thing they were doing. And in fact, that's our bottom line this morning. Expecting something or someone to do what only God can do leads us to worship the wrong God. Let me say that again. Expecting something or someone to do what only God can do leads us to worshiping the wrong God. That's what they were doing. And that's the same thing we do today. Now, verse 19. So Elijah says, okay, so he's talking to the king. So he says, here's what we're going to do. Verse 19. Now summon all of Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. Jezebel was the queen. She basically took God's money and God's provisions, and she paid the bill, paid the way for all of these prophets to do what they did to lead the nation away from God. And they were paying for it with God's own provisions and God's own money. And he said, okay, so meet me there. Verse 20. So Ahab did. He summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them. As everybody gathered, he stood in front of them. And here's what he said. How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? And the image that the word here creates is as if they were, had been doing this for so long, looking to other things to do what only God could do, that it had worn them out and worn them down to the point that they were hobbling and could barely walk and function and move. Why are you hobbling between all of these other things? And he said this, if the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow it. Go ahead, follow him. If he's really God, then follow him. And it says, but the people were completely silent. Elijah was saying, it is time to decide. This is wearing you out and making you miserable and really crippling you to actually do what you're doing. He said, quit wavering. Quit running back and forth between gods. Choose one and just 
stick with it. Because expecting something or someone to do what only God can do leads us to worshiping the wrong God. So the showdown was set. And Elijah gave them all of the, the, the home advantages. He gave them all to them. He, he gave them the home court advantage. Because Mount Carmel had been, used to be used to worship God, but now for generations had been used to just worship Baal. So that was their home court. They were used to that. It was like, yeah, we're at home here. He, they had the advantage of numbers. They had 450 prophets of Baal and only one prophet of God, Elijah. They had the crowd was clearly the favorite for Baal because the entire nation had abandoned God and worshipped Baal for generations. Elijah gave them all the advantages. He even said, we're going to use fire. And their God, Baal, was a God of rain. And he was the God of fire. So he said, we're going to even give you the substance here of your choice. We're going to let your God do what your God does. We're going to use fire. So he said, what we're going to do is take two bulls. And in fact, I'm going to give you the advantage. I'm going to let you choose the bull you want. And I'll just take what's left over. You take the one you want. And then we're going to cut up our sacrifice. We're going to place them on the wood and the altar And we're going to let whoever is God show that they're God and consume with fire. That's what we'll do. Verse 24. He said, then you'll call on the name of your God. I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is going to be the true God. And all the people agreed. Why? They had all the advantages and they knew it. All the advantages. Verse 26, so they prepared one of the bulls and they placed it on the altar. Then they called the name on the name of Baal from morning until noon. So basically for three or four hours, they are calling on Baal to do this. And they're shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. And they did this for three or four hours. And look, but there was no reply of any kind. Why? Because expecting something or someone to do what only God can do in your life leads you to worshiping the wrong God just like they were. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. Verse 27, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. So he begins prodding them. You're going to have to shout louder, Scott, for surely he's a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. He's in the bathroom. You've got to shout louder. Or maybe he's away on a trip or he's asleep. He needs to be awakened. So they responded in verse 28. So they did. They shouted louder. And following their normal customs, and, and we know about these because of what the Bible says, but we also know just from history that the way they worshipped Baal was gruesome and grotesque and horrific. He said, they began cutting themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed. It became a bloody, hurtful, horrible mess. And we say, yeah, that is disgusting. We don't do that. And we may not worship Baal. 
And we may not take out weapons and cut ourselves, but we hurt ourselves any time we look to something or someone to do in our life what only God was designed to do. And we don't call these things or these people in our lives, we don't call them gods. That would be just weird. We don't do that. But we treat them like gods. We surrender to them and we give them all of our focus and all of our attention because we're expecting that thing or that person to do in our life what only God can do. And it leads us to worshiping that thing or that person. And the end result, it leaves us hurting. It leaves us hobbled and hobbling. And it leads us to feeling hopeless. Because they can never really meet that need. They might promise that they can. But they can't. So we surrender to it. And you know what God really wants? He really is just wanting one thing from us. He wants your surrender. Because he knows if you're surrendering, then that is worship. And that's what he wants. But expecting something or someone to do what only God can do in our lives leads us to worshiping the wrong God. So let's go back to our text. Even though nothing was happening, we now have this altar and this bull sacrificed, and now it was a bloody mess, not because of the bull, but because of all the people who had been cutting themselves, a bloody mess, 450 people gushing blood all around this altar. Nothing was happening. Verse 29. They raved all afternoon. and This is the first recorded rave of all history. And it happened right here. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still, even after all day into the evening, still there was no sound, no reply, no response. All day long and nothing. Why? Because any time we're expecting something or someone to do what only God can do in our lives, it leads us to worshiping the wrong God. And that's what was happening here. In verse 30, then Elijah called to all the people. He said, hey, come over here. They all began to crowd around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down because they used to worship God on this mountain. Not solely, but that was one of the places they also worshipped God, on that mountain. And there was an altar there that had been destroyed and torn, torn down. And so he begins to rebuild it. He took the 12 stones, one to represent each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He did it in the name of the Lord, as if to say, I'm consecrating this, I'm sanctifying this, I'm setting this apart for God. This is now his place, his worship not Baals any longer. This is God. It's almost as if he's saying, okay, I know you guys don't remember this, but your ancestors, your your forefathers used to worship God, the real God. And so we're going to repair this altar and remember that's our heritage. We haven't always done it the way we're doing it now, running away from God, worshiping all these other things. 
It's almost as if he's saying, remember. And then here's what he said. Then he dug a trench, like a bar ditch, around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons of water. Verse 33. He piled wood on the altar and cut the bull into pieces and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said this. Fill the large jars with water and pour the water all over the offering and the wood. After they had done that, they poured it all over the wood and the offering. He said, do the same thing again. And so they went and they did it all again. When they were finished, he said, now go do it a third time. So they did just as he said. And the water ran all over the altar, all over the sacrifice, and even filled the bar ditch, even filled the trench. After three and a half years of no rain, every single day, the forecast for three years was the same. It's going to be sunny, and it's going to be hot, and it's going to be dry. Each day, they could have turned to worship God, but instead they continued to pursue something else to do what only God could do. And it led them during that three years to continue to worship the wrong God. Now, verse 36, at the usual time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed. Here's his prayer. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I've done all of this at your command. Verse 37, O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. A prayer like this had never, in this generation, never been heard. They've never heard anything like it. So calm and so honest and so sincere and so majestic, so assured and so strong. And they were praying, Elijah was praying to the God, the God of Israel, the true God. And he was seeking him, that God, the real God, seeking him alone. And here's how God responded in verse 38. Immediately. Because when God is ready to move, it is immediate, immediately. He does not waver when it is time for him to move and he's ready to move. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull and all the wood and the stones, burned up the stones and the dust and even licked up the water all in the trench. Verse 38, there was a moment of silence and awe. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground. Oh, they were just in awe of what they had just seen. And then they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. In this moment, God was not looking for them to punish themselves. To beat themselves up and to say, oh, we have been so bad. They weren't looking. God was not looking for them to cut themselves. And to say, oh, I've been so bad, I have to to hurt me because I've hurt God. And he wasn't looking for them to hurt themselves. He wasn't looking for some kind of religious display or some kind of ceremony. He was not looking for them to say the magic words for God to work and God to move. God wanted one single thing from them. He wanted surrender. 
Because we surrender to what we are worshiping. And that's what God was looking for. Because only God could meet those needs. Only God was the true God, could be their God. And it is the same thing for us. Because when we expect something or someone to meet a need in our life, to meet a desire in our life that only God can really fulfill, then it leads us to worshiping the wrong God. And God is just waiting on you and me to simply surrender to him. Because we worship what we surrender to. And this week we're just praying that you will take a step with us. That you will realize that when we look to something or someone to do what only God can do, then it leads us to worshiping the wrong God. This week, would you simply, we're going to ask you just to, this during the week, however you choose, just during the week, read through the book of Romans in the New Testament. And then as you're reading, just stop every once in a while and ask this question. The first one is the letter A, the next step of the letter A. And, and, and if you circle this on your connection card, here's what you're saying. You're saying, that I'm going to, as I read through the book of Romans, I'm going to stop and ask this question. What do these false gods that I have been serving and I have been surrendering to and giving my focus to and my attention to, what are they promising me that really only God can meet? In other words, what is that desire and need in your life that you've been looking to someone else to fulfill? And just have that conversation with God. And then have this one, the letter B. If you'll have this, circle the letter B. And here's what you're going to be asking this week. What do I need to do to quit wavering between false gods and to simply look to the one true God? What, what do I need to do to stop? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm looking to God sometimes, but then during the week, sometimes I'm looking to these other things and these other people to meet these needs. And I've been going back and forth between God and people and God and things. God and, the, and, and what do I need to do to stop wavering and just go to God? Will you read through the book of Romans and ask those two questions? And and have that conversation with God. This, this is a, these are next steps that absolutely every single one of us, if we would, we could all take these steps this week. And I hope you will. If you just simply let us know by circling the letter A and circling the letter B on your connection card, take this step with us this week. And I simply want to pray for us as we close. Would you join me in prayer? God, as Elijah prayed to you, we want to also just pray and echo that prayer and say, Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, would you prove to us in our life that you are God and that we, we are your servants and that we will live our lives at your command. Oh God, we ask that you answer that prayer. We ask that you answer that prayer so that people around us will see that you really are the Lord, that you are the God, and you have brought us back 
to yourself. And we are so grateful for that because it could only happen when you sent your son, God's son, Jesus, God himself, when you sent him to the cross to die for us. And if we simply will surrender to you, give ourselves to you, pursue you, you will connect us eternally with yourself. God, please let our lives prove that you have brought us back to yourself. And it is in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.